Please turn in your Bibles to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. It's no real surprise that this is the passage the Lord Jesus Christ instructed his disciples with in the upper, last upper room discourse. And again, I'm not telling you what you don't already know, that very significant teaching about the Holy Spirit is found in these chapters, John 13 through 16. We're going to read for the present verses 7 through 15. Jesus has announced his departure from the world, from the disciples, and he says in verse 7, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper, the paraclete, will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you, and he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said to that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. This morning we're going to consider the truth that the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is the paraclete of Christ's believing people. And paraclete is simply the word which in our various translations is translated helper or comforter, talk about that in a moment. But uh, I'm confident that you are familiar with the truth that the Lord Jesus, number one, the Lord Jesus Christ is the paraclete, the comforter of his believing people. No doubt many, if not all of you, are familiar with the truth about the Holy Spirit as well. The Lord Jesus Christ is our paraclete. The Holy Spirit is our paraclete, our helper, our comforter, our advocate. But I hope that I will be able, by God's grace, to reinforce this very practical truth for you. And praise and glory and honor will redound to Jesus Christ and God the Trinity. I will begin with two introductory points which I think will greatly assist us in considering that the Holy Spirit is our paraclete. And I have them there in the outline. We're going to look at, first of all, the, by way of introduction, the meaning of the word paraclete. It's not a word that you use at the water cooler at work or you use in the, uh, in the uh, shopping line when you grow for your, go for your groceries. The word paraclete probably won't come to your lips. But uh, So we'll look at the meaning of the word paraclete. Secondly, we'll look at how our Lord Jesus is our paraclete. That's introductory, and you'll see why that's important as we go along. First of all, uh, introduction A, the meaning of the word paraclete. Uh, paraclete is uh, an English transliteration, of course, of the Greek word parakletos. Uh, and in, if you use the, new, the uh, King James Version... Uh, one of the churches where I preach sometimes in Brooklyn, most of the people use the King James, so I often 
often make reference to that when I'm preaching, the King James uses the word comforter for paraclete in various places like John 14, 16, John 14, 26, John 15, 26, John 16, 7. Uh, we're going we're gonna to touch most of these this, this morning. And, uh, and the, wor- the word paraclete is often used, uh, also used again in 1 John 2, 1, where it's translated differently in most translations than the other passages where it isn't there. It is translated advocate, a legal term. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, righteous Jesus Christ. The word paraclete refers to someone who comes alongside to help someone. He is the one who helps because he comes alongside to help. Sometimes it has this idea of someone who is called alongside by the person who needs help, and other times by someone else who knows that someone needs help. Imagine your your little child is having uh, problems with their uh, knee or problems lifting something, and the mother says to the father, uh, go help John, go help Sally, go help. That's He's called alongside to help by another person, and the word's used in that way. Well, the Holy Spirit is just such a person. The text says, I'm going to send you this helper, the paraclete, the, the Lord Jesus Christ is such a person. He is our comforter, our helper, our paraclete. Uh, we know this, that the Lord Jesus is our paraclete and the Holy Spirit is our paraclete because Jesus says he will send another paraclete. So Jesus was the paraclete, the first paraclete the apostles were aware of, and the Holy Spirit is introduced as a paraclete as well. So there is the simple meaning of the term paraclete, someone called alongside to help. Second thing by way of introduction, introduction B, how the Lord Jesus Christ is our paraclete. And again, I'm not trying to be comprehensive here, just like with the Sunday school, it can't be comprehensive, take too long. But what what I'm doing is I'm finding the passages most of the time where this word is actually used, and we're told what the Lord Jesus as our paraclete does. And there are four things. You see them there in the outline. Uh, The Lord Jesus Christ has been and is our paraclete in these four senses. First of all, his presence. The paraclete, it, it just makes so much sense. The paraclete is someone who is called alongside to help, so the paraclete is there. The paraclete is with you. He, he doesn't help you from a distance. It's not like he sends a, a money gram from England to the U.S. so that you get the help you need. No, he's with you. That's the point. And in the beginning of John 16, the first four verses, you see this. You see that Jesus talks about it just this way. He says, these things I have spoken to you so that you may be kept from stumbling. They will make you outcasts from the synagogue, but an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think he is offering service to God. These things they will do because they have not known the Father or me. But these things I have spoken to you so that when the hour comes you may remember that I told you of them. These things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. You see, Jesus says now, Now I have to tell you things. There were lots of things I didn't say originally. I didn't say along the way. Now here we are after three years and I have things I've got to say to you. I didn't say them before because I was with you. You see, he was the present help of his people. He supported them with his presence. Second thing that Jesus does as our paraclete is that he is a teacher and a guide. A teacher and a guide. That's what a paraclete does. A paraclete guides and teaches. And, of course, Jesus does this throughout his earthly ministry. It's, it's all, in all the gospel records, 
There's all that wonderful teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he does. That's part of his ministry as a paraclete. Thirdly, our Lord helped and helps in the spread of the gospel of his grace. Jesus spreads the gospel. And I was reflecting upon this in the last two days as I was thinking about, about this particular point. And it's very interesting, is it not? I mean, you, you know that the apostles preached. You know that they cast out demons. You know that they did good. But what's the gospel about? It's all about what Jesus does. Jesus goes and preaches. Jesus confronts the enemies of his people. Jesus spreads the gospel throughout the gospel records. And that's the bulk of the gospel records, isn't it? It's what Jesus does, you see. So that's part of our Lord's ministry. As our paraclete, our helper, he spreads the gospel. And fourthly, our Lord was and is our advocate. 1 John 2, 1, if any man sin, and we do sin, and we do need cleansing, we have a paraclete, one called alongside to help us in our need to represent us before God and secure our right standing with God. He is our advocate, our paraclete. Now, those introduction A and B. Now, let's consider that the Holy Spirit is our paraclete. He's the other paraclete. We'll look first of all at the biblical testimony of this truth. I am not saying this because you don't believe it or you don't know anything about this. I'm, I'm sure that you know, but again, once again, uh, it's valuable for us to, to look in a more concentrated way at these truths. Uh, the, and the scripture is very clear about this fact. Look back in John chapter 14, if you're not still there, verses 16 and 17. And here's where that, that phrase, another paraclete, comes. John 14, 16 and 17. I will ask the Father and he will give you another paraclete, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. So there Jesus tells us. This is, this is the paraclete. He's another paraclete for us. A little bit further down in verses 25 to 27, we find it again. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. So there's Jesus teaching ministry while he's with his disciples. He's telling them the things they need to know. But that's not going to be the primary way in which we learn from the apostles now. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. And then chapter 15 again. Chapter 15, 26 and 27. When the helper, the paraclete comes whom I will send you from the Father. That is the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He will testify about me. And you will testify because you have been with me from the beginning. And then we have that large passage in chapter 16, starting in verse 7, which we've already read, so I won't read it again. Four times, our Lord Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit, whom he is sending to us, is our paraclete. Specifically, since our Lord will no longer be here on the earth in his bodily presence, we are to have the spiritual presence, if I can call it that, but the very real presence of the Holy Spirit to fulfill his ministry. It is not, again, that Jesus doesn't do these, any of these things for us. Indeed, he does. He still teaches us by his word. He still comforts us. He still intercedes for us. But we need, evidently, 
this ministry of the Holy Spirit. God doesn't give needless gifts. What he gives, we need. So, he's very generous not to give us himself only, but a second paraclete for our benefit. Well, that's the biblical testimony to this truth. Secondly, let's consider the ministry explained. The ministry of the Holy Spirit explained. <coughs> First of all, his presence and communion. His presence and communion. One main reason the Father and the Son send the Holy Spirit is because the Lord Jesus would not be physically present with his disciples. In order to provide his presence and communion, the Holy Spirit would be with his people. That's, that, that's what Jesus says in, in chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. That he may be with you forever. Now, Jesus is still with us. He is. He said that, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So it's not that Jesus is abandoned. He even says that, right? He says that, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. But the Holy Spirit fulfills a real function of presence and communion. They will know the presence of of God by the Holy Spirit, by the indwelling Spirit. Now there's much that is mysterious here. We have real communion with the Father and the Son. And you all, all you have to do is think back to 1 John chapter 1, where John the Apostle, who does emphasize the work of the Holy Spirit in us, he calls him our anointing, which we have, he says, we have fellowship with the Father and the Son. And John is earnest that we would have fellowship with the Father and the Son. But now the role of the Holy Spirit takes a prominence it did not have before in our communion with God. Let me uh, take the opportunity then to recommend John Owen on communion with God as a very a valuable treatise in which John Owen says believers have communion with the triune God. They have, they have communion with the Father, they have communion with the Son, they have communion with the Holy Spirit. And he opens those things up to some extent. Well, as I say, there's much mystery here. Uh, the communion that we have with God is enhanced by this ministry of the Holy Spirit, the text that we began with in Ephesians chapter 3, it's interesting that that text was chosen as a call to worship. Uh, there, the Apostle Paul tells us that we do have a real communion with God, and the, the uh, nature of that communion involves the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I want to be pretty careful because uh, it, it would be easy to go astray here and say more than is warranted. But I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 3 for a moment and see how Paul uh, talks about this. This communion we have by means of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 3, I'll start reading in verse 14. Paul has been speaking about his sufferings in particular for the Gentiles to be included in the new covenant community and to enjoy the blessings of that. And he says this, for this reason, I, Paul, bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. So he says, I'm praying to the Father. I'm seeking the Father. I'm having communion with the Father in my ministry of intercessory prayer. And the content in verse 16 that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts by, through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may comprehend, be able to comprehend with all the saints the breadth, 
and length and height and to know the love of God. Now I think I had the wrong text there. It's chapter 2. I apologize. Chapter 2. I have to correct my notes. It's 2.18. Wonderful as what we have read is. He says, through him, through Christ, we have, we both have, Jews and Gentiles, our access in one spirit to the Father. So do we have access to the Father in worship? We absolutely do. We have communion with God the Father. But he says that that access involves the work of the Holy Spirit. So that when we are engaged in worship, we come to God the Father and the Holy Spirit helps us. He helps us. He excites our faith. He excites our love, our zeal. He makes the scriptures understandable so that we know the God that we're coming to. The Holy Spirit does this. The Holy Spirit does this in connection with prayer. Look in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, very familiar passage, but very valuable. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. Come back to this in a little while, but for now, just want to read it and make the point. The Holy Spirit helps us in our prayer in the same way that the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because the he, the Spirit, intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Apostle Paul says that the Holy Spirit is with us when we pray and he helps us in, our, in our, the weakness of our prayers. Uh, Paul has already asserted that the Holy Spirit works to strengthen the assurance of God's people Indeed, that God is their heavenly Father. In chapter 8, again, verses 15 to 17. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. There is our assurance that God is our Father in the most intimate terms. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of of God. That's part of that ministry of presence and communion. Secondly, teaching and guiding. Teaching and guiding. The Lord Jesus and the apostolic instruction teach, tells us that the Holy Spirit guides his people and teaches his people. Nothing could be clearer, right? He always does this in accordance with the word so that the spirit and the word are not separated. See, that's one of the dangers that happens today. The Spirit and the Word are separated. That should never be. The Spirit ministers the Word of God to us. And this is how He teaches us. He gives us understanding in His Word. In John's Gospel, the Lord Jesus made this a point of emphasis you have uh, that text, that wonderful text in John seven thirty seven. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up in the temple and cried out, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture says, shall out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. And then John interprets for us and explains. This he spoke of the Spirit, which had not been given for Jesus was not yet glorified. Again, prior to the coming of the Holy Spirit upon the church in Acts chapter 2, God had worked through his prophets in the Old Testament and much truth was given. But when Pentecost came and the Holy Spirit was poured out, uh, when, when Pastor likens it to that, uh, that uh, washer you have in your shower, you ever, you ever find out that you have a washer in your shower? And it's meant to restrict the water flow so that you don't use too much water when you take a shower. And one pastor admitted, he said, well, the, the plumber told me that, that that washer is in there. I'm getting water, but not much. He says, I went and I took it out, and then the water flows freely. 
He says, this is what, is what it is like. When the Holy Spirit comes upon the church, the washer is taken out and the water flows freely. And so we have the rest of the glorious New Testament revelation. And then we have the writings of the saints of God who have been given as gifts to the church. Just think about the wonderful gifts God has given to his church and men like John Owen, B.B. Warfield, Matthew Henry, John Murray. Think about all the rich truths which God has poured out upon his church and is still gifting his church so that we have truth and we have grace that accelerates and enriches us. The Holy Spirit does this as our paraclete because he is, as you read with your own eyes, the spirit of truth. He works to remind the apostles of what the Lord had taught them. Jesus says that, right? He says, he will take of my things and he will disclose them to you. And there was a special inspiration that the, that the apostles had whereby they could teach the church and give the church more and more of the truth. You have, you have that wonderful corpus of writings of the Apostle Paul, which has enriched the church so greatly by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. Now, the Holy Spirit has unique ministry to the apostles because they write scripture. You and I can't write scripture. We can't write scripture. That was done by the Holy Spirit through the apostles. But it is still true that the Holy Spirit can remind us of the scriptures. And the Holy Spirit gives insight into the scriptures. So there are times when you'll open your Bible in your personal devotions and God will shed light upon the scriptures. God the Holy Spirit will instruct you in the scriptures. We should pray for that. We should ask God, teach me more. We're not asking for something new. We're asking for what he has already given us in the Holy Scriptures. So this is his ministry. It is a teaching and guiding ministry. Then in the third place, the, the, the Holy Spirit as our paraclete, he spreads the gospel. The Holy Spirit has a role in spreading the gospel. Let me, let me open a couple of lines of truth here. The Holy Spirit gifts the church. He gives gifts to the church. Very clear in 1 Corinthians 12 that he gives gifts to men. Ephesians chapter 4, he makes pastors and teachers and evangelists. He gives gifts to his church. Just the gifts that each one needs. So that when God gives you a teacher, God gives him those gifts by the Holy Spirit and he gives it to you. They are gifts to the church from the risen Christ by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And you see this explicitly in Acts 13. I won't turn you there, just mention it to you and remind you. Remember Acts 13, 1? While they, uh, you had all of these gifts in the church at Antioch, and while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. What would have happened if these men never had God putting his finger, as it were, upon these two men and sending them out to preach the gospel? Well, you know, you know what did happen. God the Holy Spirit pointed out men. He gave them their gifts. He pointed them out. He said, send these men. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And then you, you just read in the book of Acts and you see little statements. They, they want to go into a particular area, but the Holy Spirit forbade us. Why? Because he had another place for them to go. The gospel was to go, and the gospel did go to Asia. It did go throughout the Roman world. And the Holy Spirit guided the church in the spread of the gospel. Jesus teaches us in the Upper Room Discourse that the Holy Spirit also gives effectiveness to the gospel. 
Let's, let's look back at John 16 for a moment. I'm sure that I can't say everything that's involved in John 16, 8 to 11, but this is <coughs> one of those aspects of the Holy Spirit's ministry as paraclete that uh, he makes the spread of the gospel effective. Jesus says, and he, interestingly, I'll give you a little bit of Greek here. Sometimes when the Holy Spirit is spoken of, he's spoken of in the neuter gender. That's one of the things heretics love to point out. But sometimes when it says he, it says that one, nominative, masculine, singular. The Holy Spirit is referred to as a person, that one. In the masculine gender. That one. I think this is one of those places. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. When you go to witness, when you go to talk to people about the gospel, and you feel your weakness, and you don't know what to say. You're not sure. How do I do this? How do I get the gospel to them? Their eyes are closed. Their hearts are hard. Well, if it's just you and me and them, we're in bad shape. But it's not. It's not just you and me and them. Because Jesus says he, the Holy Spirit of truth, when he comes, will convict the world. He will convict the world concerning sin. Jesus explains it. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. It's not a bad thing. It's a great thing to ask sinners, what are you going to do about your sins? Because sinners don't, don't get it. They don't think their sins are all that bad. They don't understand the righteousness of God's law. And what can we do? We can use God's word and we can tell them you can ask them, what are you doing with your sin? Don't you realize what a plight you're in? And here's, while we say that, we say, Lord, Jesus, Holy Spirit, you said you will convict the world about sin because they don't believe in you and they have no answer for their sin. He has promised the Holy Spirit will convict the world concerning sin. He will convict the world concerning righteousness. Righteousness lived on this earth for 33 years. Perfectly righteous Jesus Christ. But now he's not there. Uh, we can say he lived a sinless life. Nobody sees it. We say the Bible says it. That's true. That's very good. But the Holy Spirit, we are promised, will convict the world concerning righteousness because Jesus is now in heaven. So we can pray. Lord, today I'm going to talk to this sinner about your law. And they break your law left, right, and center. You come and do the work. There it is. We depend upon him. And he will convict the world concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. And we can pray. God will advance his gospel in these ways. And this is the role of the Holy Spirit. So, he has a role in his presence and communion. He has a role in teaching and guiding. He has a role in the spread of the gospel. And fourthly, the Holy Spirit also intercedes for us. The Lord Jesus intercedes for us. And what a comfort, what a help that is for us. That he has gone into heaven as our great high priest. He's never going to die. He's always going to be our high priest. He's always going to plead for us. And he is able to save to the uttermost all of those who come to God by him since he ever lives to make intercession for us. And Paul argues with us for our comfort and our need. Who's going to bring a charge against God's elect? Jesus is the one who has died. No one can, who also intercedes for us, no one can bring a charge against us that will stick because Jesus intercedes. But um, 
the Holy Spirit also intercedes for us. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Look over in Romans chapter 8 again. Romans 8. The, the wonderful truth of Jesus' intercession we sing about. Should all the hosts of death and powers of hell unknown put their most dreadful forms of rage and mischief on, I shall be safe, for Christ displays his conquering power and guardian grace. Praise God for such a Savior. But that's not all. The Holy Spirit is our paraclete, and our, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. I want to try and open up that a little bit to you. Look, look at Romans 8, 26 and 27. See how this is put to us. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us. He uses the exact same word that he uses in Romans 8 for intercedes about the Lord Jesus Christ. He uses the exact same word. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Paul tells us how the Holy Spirit intercedes for us in relation to our prayers. I think most Christians I have talked to Say, well, sometimes I don't know what to pray. I don't know what to pray. I want to do God's will. I don't know what that is. You know, there is a wonderful verse in Philippians that says, make your requests known to God. Make your request. What's your request? Have you been afraid to pray for it? God gives you liberty. Paul beseeches the Lord three times that a thorn in the flesh, a buffeting messenger of Satan, be taken from him three times. You know, it wasn't a prayer he should have been praying. But God didn't rebuke him for that. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. That's the answer. Jesus prays in the garden. If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. God didn't want it to pass from him. He wanted him to drink it. But Jesus, the perfect man, made his requests known to God. We can make our requests known to God. But our problem is, well, I don't know if God wants to do that. Does God want me to have that new house? Does God want me to have another child? Does God want me to marry this woman, this man? What does God want me to do? I don't know. This is where the ministry of the Holy Spirit comes in, that ministry of intercession. We find ourselves quite in the dark, unable to pray as we desire to do. And I assure you, I'm that person who doesn't know. I'm that person who says, I'm not sure what you want me to do, Lord. I want to do what you want me to do. Here's where the work of the Holy Spirit comes in. It's marvelous. It's marvelous. We are quite in the dark. We're unable to pray as we desire to do. We feel the tension of our desires and our ignorance. And the Holy Spirit helps us. Now we're into season verse 26 as a strengthening prefix. It's like saying he hyper-intercedes. He intercedes with intensity and vigor. We're held back in our prayers by our ignorance. But he knows the mind of God. Thank God he is personal and he is divine. Because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Even when you have those times, I'm just not sure what God wants to do here. Maybe he wants me to suffer. 
Maybe, maybe that's what he wants me to glorify him in suffering. I don't know. Be assured that when you pray and you say, Oh, Father, here I am. And I, I, want, I want to know what your will is. I want this thing very much so. I'm not sure you want it. You may be assured that the, the Spirit of God is able to intercede for you intensely. And we have the promise here that he does and he will. He knows the mind of God. And so he intercedes. What a comfort that ought to be for you. When you come to your seasons of prayer, Lord, should I go to this college? Lord, should I pursue this vocation? Lord, what's your will? I don't know. Lord, hear my prayer. Intercede for me, Lord Jesus. Intercede for me, Holy Spirit. Answer me. What a comfort it should be for us. We don't have to understand everything. Thank God we rely upon him and we trust in him. We want to submit to him. And then when you get up from your prayers, remember how Jesus describes it and the apostles describe it. You know, you shouldn't pray doubting. I'm not saying you know the answer and you know what the will of God is, but you get up from your prayer and this is what you can say. Lord, I didn't know when I got started what I, what I should pray for, and now I pray, and I still don't know if you're going to do it, but you, Father, have heard the prayer of your Son, and you have heard the prayer of your Holy Spirit, and I'm going to believe that you are going to guide me into the right path because of what you have done in supplying your Son and your Spirit to me. Well, I want to remind you before we are done, we will be done soon, that all of this ministry of the Holy Spirit as our paraclete has been secured for us by the work of our Savior. Remember that the Lord Jesus Christ came to this earth and became a, a baby in the virgin's arms for us. He obeyed the word of God for us perfectly, flawlessly, sinlessly. He did all the will of God for us. He went to that cross for us. He let them spit on his face. He let them pierce his body for us. He bore the wrath of God for us. He rose from the grave for us. He ascended into heaven for us. And now at God's right hand he sits. The theanthropic person. The God man on the throne of heaven interceding for us. And he has secured for us this ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's ours because of him. And he does much more than I have, I have said. Much more. He supplies us with grace in many ways. The Holy Spirit does. Did you enjoy singing your hymns this morning? I enjoyed singing with you. It was moving in my heart. Do you know how that happens? you understand how that happens? The Holy Spirit supplies us with singing grace. And we are told... To sing under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And we do. It's, it's not something magical now. It's, it's not something charismania. But you are to be filled with the Spirit. Singing to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. The Holy Spirit is involved in our corporate worship in this manner. So whenever, whenever your heart is enlivened. And you are enabled to sing with true adoration and love. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And you may ask God. Well, I forget who mentioned it. But God made a promise to us. The Lord Jesus made a promise. 
Does the father know how to give good gifts to his children? I tell my wife, please be careful what you ask me for, because I want you to have it. An air fryer, I'd like you to have it. So please be careful what you ask, because I want you to have it. Does God give good gifts to his children? Do fathers give good gifts to their children? Do husbands give good gifts to their wives and vice versa? Well, how much more will the, will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So we should be confident that God will give us this Holy Spirit in all these ways. Singing with grace, sanctification, assurance, and hope. He's the earnest and pledge of our inheritance. We're going to rise from the dead with, uh, to use Pastor Martin's wonderful phrase, sinless souls in deathless bodies. All of this, the Holy Spirit is the, is the promise of that. It's the pledge of it. It's the guarantees, the down payment. So perhaps you're sitting here and you say, hmm, you know, I, I, I see the people around me, they're listening, and it seems like they understand and they, like, they agree with this, they believe this. But perhaps you do not. Perhaps there's someone here who doesn't believe it, doesn't know it. You know what Paul says to the Roman Christians? He says, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. All God's people have a spirit. Make no mistake. You're a Christian. You have God's spirit. If you're not a Christian, you don't have God's spirit. So none of these wonderful gifts are yours. What should you do? You should go with all of your sins, all of your vile thoughts, all of your sins and bring them to the Lord Jesus Christ and plead with him to forgive your sins. Lord Jesus, look at the mountain of my sins. How vile a being I am. Have mercy upon me and save me and give me all these blessings you died to secure for everyone who believes in him. That's all you need. That's all you need to do. You need to go to Jesus for salvation, for forgiveness. And this is what Peter says on the day of Pentecost to those people who had killed Jesus. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. All his people get this gift. Well, think about what we have seen here about the role of the Holy Spirit as our paraclete, the Holy Spirit. Jesus is our paraclete. The Holy Spirit is our paraclete. And because he is, he gives us his presence and communion. He teaches and guides us. He spreads the gospel and he intercedes for us. Once again, this does for us what our Sunday school did for us earlier it tells us who the holy spirit is it tells us it's a wonderful thing you know if i if i uh, if you said if you discovered suddenly as i did at one point in my life that i had aunts that i never met I lived in florida we had a funeral and suddenly i met them and i and if i somebody had told me well, you're going to meet your aunt josie now well okay uh, who's aunt josie what's she like i don't i don't really know but when I meet Aunt Josie and I have her presence, perhaps I have her help, now I understand the person. The Holy Spirit is God. And the Holy Spirit is personal. And the whole subject of Jesus, as the Holy Spirit is our paraclete, does this for us. It tells us who the Holy Spirit is tells us he's God. It tells us he is a person. And he tells us that we receive grace from him so that we have the love of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. 
We know this God. Just like Jesus said to the apostles, you know him because he is with you and will be in you. And that is true for every believer. Never be ashamed then to worship the Holy Spirit. We did that. We did that today. I hope that your soul was delighted to sing praise to the Holy Spirit. And when you have the chance and you sing one of those other wonderful hymns, Come, O Creator, Spirit, bless. Come, O come, Thou quickening Spirit, God from all eternity. When you sing those hymns, you may do so with the most assured faith that you are worshiping God as He wants to be worshipped. You may pray to the Holy Spirit. May God enrich your faith and your worship because of what God has said to us in his word. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, maker of heaven and earth, we bow before you and we worship you. You are our Father and you are rich in good gifts to all who trust in you and in your Son. We bow before you, Lord Jesus, for all that you have done. And we confess, Lord, that it is hard for us to comprehend all that you have done and all that you are now for us there in heaven and in your church. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have not kept silent about your work and your love and care for us. And so we worship you as the one who gives us our gifts, who enriches us with faith, who gives us assurance, and you who are uh, sealing us unto the day of redemption. We worship you, triune God, our God. We pray that you would do the things you have said in your word, especially that you would cause the gospel to spread and Jesus to be glorified. Save our children, our grandchildren, save our neighbors. Bless the church that you have made. Receive our thanks for all you have said to us this day. Help us to believe with all of our heart. We pray in Jesus' blessed name. Amen.